Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again, or for the first time, to my silly little podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and take a light-hearted, positive, fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless, set theme every episode, and I sometimes highlight some rock and roll bed shits just for some fun. It's really just an attempt to archive some stories, old YouTube interviews, and some great songs for like-minded rock music fans. Choosing from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of laid-back, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some music or some merch, or listen to an old favourite album, and check out all this amazing shit that I adore, which has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think if I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at thisisnotarealemailaddress at gofeckyegoodself.cockgoblin.com. That's cock spelt with two Ks, and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast or via the website a rock and roll rabbit hole.com that's com spelt with a c the website also has spotify playlist of all of the songs used in each episode past episodes as well and some other golden magic and i also have some small playlists of the great lesser known artists that i like to highlight at the end of each episode on the victims tab of the website Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. If you are digging it, that's super helpful and genuinely appreciated. Thanks again. Apologies in advance, and here goes. One of the original sparks for the podcast when I was kicking ideas around a year or so ago was actually born years ago when I did some touring with Body Jar all over the good and bad parts of Australia and drummer and all-around legend Roscoe would always have some great mixed CDs. Hello, Sco. I'm pretty sure one of them was songs with laughing in them. So for this episode, I've dug both shallow and deep in the brain and the record collection and after a shitful few years, we all could do with hearing a laugh or two for no apparent reason. So here's episode 37, Laughing. But before we start, just a few quick thank yous. We got to number four in the Kiwi Music Podcast charts. So thanks a lot, you sexy beasts. And I'm starting to get some good listening numbers everywhere. So thanks to everyone who has shared the podcast with friends. And got a few awesome reviews this week. Bear with me with the names because they're all a bit crazy. ZRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRRR
So I'm going to start with a song from 1980, which I think is an obvious place to start for a laughing song. And it went to number nine in the US, number 49 in the UK, and sold over four million singles. And here's guitar twiddler Steve Vai talking about Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. When I first heard Crazy Train, you know, there's the cool groove coming in, and then this freight train of a guitar <laughs> comes screaming in. I think it was the first time I ever heard a rock track where the guitar came in and I, I, I got scared. ACDC laughs, one from Brian and one from Bon. Brian drops a naughty chuckle in the last song on his first album with ACDC, Back in Black. I watched about 10 versions live. He doesn't seem to rate the live chuckle. So here's the studio version. And it's just after the first chorus going into the second verse of Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. Just some quick stats on the album Back in Black. It's sold over 50 million copies and it's still the second biggest selling album of all time after Michael Jackson's Thriller. Went to number one in England, Australia, Canada, but only got to number four in the US despite selling 25 million copies there. And it's number 73 on the Rolling Stones' greatest 500 albums of all time. It had four singles, You Shook Me All Night Long, Hell's Bells, Back in Black and Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. And as an album, it's pretty fucking good. 
here's the Bon Scott song I have chosen. Not so much a laugh, more of a sarcastic ha ha ha. Another ACDC song that could have been included in episode one's building intros. And it's also a song the band hadn't played for decades, but was brought back at the request of Axel when he filled in for Brian. Riff Raff by ACDC. Young doesn't sing much, so we don't get a chance to listen to him laugh on a record. So here's a compilation of Angus laughing in interviews from YouTube just for fun. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> uh, I haven't shaved today. You know, sweep out. I know a lot of people would like me to. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. I mean, we're all pretty ugly. Is he gay? <laughs> I might be braver then. Next up is another song that could have also easily been in episode one or loosely in episode 21's bass intros. Mike Patton said that the lyrics of this uneasy, tension-filled nugget came from fortune cookie messages he had collected and also from an entry exam to join those crazy cats in the Church of Scientology. The line, does emotional music have quite an effect on you, is a direct lift from the Scientology test. A song with a menacing laugh in it, Land of Sunshine by Faith No More. Rejoice! 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 
Here's original Faith No More guitarist Jim Martin talking about the period just before releasing their masterpiece, Angel Dust. Once we got off the road, I just tried to get normal again. Been on the road for, geez, I don't know how long we were on the road, more than a year, just almost solid year and a few months or whatever. And uh, just tried to get back into being normal again. Like I'd wake up after four hours, go to bed, wake up early in the morning, couldn't sleep anymore. Just trying to kind of like calm down and spent a lot of time trying to do that. And uh, it, it, took, it took a few months. Uh, fooled around a lot, shot a lot of pool, drank a lot of beer. <laughs> uh, go on little trips, you know, take my, uh, just take a ride somewhere. Pretty much just took it easy. Uh, it was really hard to think of writing any music once we got back because we kind of burned out playing the same songs over and over every night. So it was kind of hard to to write music again. So that's why I spent a lot of time just fooling around. That way I can start feeling regular, not thinking about it. That's when you can write music when you least expect it. All of a sudden you wrote some music and it's kind of all right. This next laughing intro nugget has a baseline that singer Joe Strummer claimed he pinched from Queens, another one bites the dust, and was a tribute to early New York City acts like Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. This is Radio Clash by The Clash. Grandmaster Flash, I have to add this classic as it has another sarcastic type of laugh in it and the lyrics are an incredible painting of the darker side of New York City in the late 70s and early 80s. This is an incredible song, a song I missed in episode 19's Titles Not Lyrics, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five with The Message. My son said, Daddy, I don't want to go to school Cause the teacher's a jerk, he must think I'm a fool And all the kids smoke reefer, I think it'd be cheaper If I just got a job, learn to be a street sweeper I dance to the beat, shuffle for my feet Wear my shirt and tie and run with the creeps Cause it's all about money, ain't a damn thing funny You got to have a con in this land of milk and honey They push that barrel in front of the train Took it to the doctor, sold the arm on the game Stabbed that man right in his heart 
Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park, cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun, cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw, broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say, you want some more? Living on a seesaw. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Dropping big cars, spending 20s and 10s, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, Burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, I'm no fool. But then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void. Walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag. Being used and abused to serve like hell. To one day, you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was cold and your body swung back and forth but now your eyes sing the sad sad song of how you live so fast and die so young so don't push me cause i'm close to the edge i'm trying not to lose my head <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder how i keep from going under <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes it makes me wonder how i keep from going under <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? A bridge from early hip-hop back to rock is Ice-T with his metal band Body Count with their controversial song Cop Killer, which uses a snare as a machine gun sound better than any song ever. A song that easily could have been included on episode 6's F-Bomb Spectacular, Cop Killer by Body Count. This next record is dedicated to some personal friends of mine, the LAPD. For every cop that has ever taken advantage of somebody, beat them down or hurt them because they got long hair, listen to the wrong kind of music, wrong color, whatever they thought was the reason to do it. For every one of those fucking police, I'd like to take a pig out here in this parking lot and shoot them in their motherfucking face.
Let's just lighten the mood in this laughing rabbit hole for a minute. So just some translation here for our overseas listeners. Lollies are candy, Sheila is a girl, and knackers are testicles. This is actually an Aussie comedy song that has two great mid-verse cheeky chuckles, a song that also obviously could have been featured in episode 6's Fuckfest, and also episode 20's Songs with Brackets, and also 26's 7-Up episode. Kevin Bloody Wilson with Kev's Corton song, Do You Fuck on First Dates. Blown too much of me time Buying dinner and wine And me money on flowers and lollies Only to find that what's on me mind Isn't on hers and she's sorry So I've made up some lines That save waste and time And keep me from blowing me brass <laughs> I'm ever so cool I just prop on the stool Right next to hers and I ask do you fuck on first dates? Does your dad own a brewery? Could I feel your tits? Or would you show them to me? Cos you got a nice head And you look pretty honest So me face will be leaving in quarter of an hour I'd like you to be honest So the next time you see a good-looking Sheila And you'd give a week's pay to hold her Don't sit acting dumb, just front her full on And drop a few lines that I told you This new method of mine might not work every time But then again, no method will I've been spat at and slapped and kneed in the knackers <laughs> But then I got a few fucks as well do you fuck on first dates? Does your dad own a brewery? Could I feel your tits? Or would you show them to me? If the answer is no To me questions above Then be a good sport And give me the name Of a girlfriend who does we mentioned Axl Rose earlier in relation to the ACDC song Riff Raff, and Axl is one of the great rock and roll ad-libbers ever, and here's some examples. obviously knows that the laugh is a great addition to his ad-lib bag and here's his laugh in the electric version of the song we just heard which is You're Crazy. (laughs) 
the same album, Appetite for Destruction, two tracks before You're Crazy, sees another Axel laugh on Think About You. And just some quick stats on Appetite for Destruction. It's the best-selling debut album of all time. It's sold 30 million copies. And it's ranked number 62 on Rolling Stone's greatest 500 albums of all time. Oh, yeah, it's pretty fucking good too. This next song was included in episode two's girl songs. It needs to be in this episode too. Not episode two, but this episode as well. You know what I mean. The piano was right behind me and I just I just kind of relaxed. I thought the lid was down. Yeah. And the lid wasn't down and I played a chord with my ass. Your and ass that's on the record and then I start laughing. Yeah, because right in the beginning I hear that laugh and I hear that shitty chord, which yeah. works so great. Everybody knows it. But if you listen carefully right here, ass. that's your ass hitting yeah. the, the piano. i 
Freddie Mercury can also chuck a chuckle in a song as good as anyone, and here's a great simple bass line, a super melodic guitar solo and great guitar harmonies, with Freddie on lead and rhythm laughing, a kind of magic. Another chuckle from Freddie from an unusual Queen song from 1989 with a great rocking riff. And it's always made me smile a bit when Freddie says, we went to Bali. As I always imagine Freddie in a bintang singlet rubbing shoulders with the Aussie scum over there on a schoolies week or a dirty end of season footy trip. Fucking sundry kangaroos or something. Was it all worth it? One more song from Queen, which introduces a new category of laughing in songs, with one hut after the bell. I Want It All and Kind of Magic are from the soundtrack for the movie Highlander. Queen wrote the whole soundtrack and released it as a full album called A Kind of Magic. Here's the band talking about the album. Yes, in a way. Um, we did some touring last year. We did a big festival in Brazil, a Rock in Rio festival in January last year. And then later on in the year we went on and we did um, uh, a concert in Auckland, uh, New Zealand, and some in Australia and some in Japan. It's strange, actually. I think we, we added it up. And we, we, we added, between, I think, between four or five concerts last year, we played to almost a million people, which is, you know, it's only a week's work. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it seems a very sort of efficient way of doing things, but... Uh, you got involved in the movie Highlander. Yes. We initially said no because um, 
we just didn't want to be, uh, we wanted a rest, to be honest. And then we saw about 20 minutes cut of this Highlander film and thought, great, that's, that's us. Now, we, we had the scripts and we went to see very, uh, quite a lot of the footage that they'd got already. And then we all went away and all tried to write songs for various bits. What actually moved me was the sort of subplot. The main plot is this kind of violent tale of immortals fighting each other to the death up to the, from 15th century Scotland up to... 20th century New York, that's the main plot. There's a kind of subplot which is a tragic love story and it comes about because the hero cannot die but nevertheless he falls in love with people who can die so he falls in love with this girl in the Highlands and she gradually grows old and dies in his arms and he has to say goodbye to her and he has to go on. It's a, a strange kind of tragedy and that really came across to me very strongly and, and I related it to, to my own life I suppose and everybody's life. I thought, you know, love always does come to an end at some time, you know. Are you pleased that the new album, though, is not going to be a complete soundtrack album? Yes, because I, I think the idea of a, a complete soundtrack album puts quite a lot of people off, really. I think they're imagining sort of all sorts of orchestral links which don't really do anything. It's really, it's really sort of, uh, what's the word, um, uh, just background music, which it, it isn't at all. It's, it's a fully-fledged Queen album. We did all the music for the film first, and they dubbed it onto the film. Then when we came to do the album, we actually rearranged a lot of the tracks, made them, you know, longer, and, you know, wrote more lyrics and tried to make them into fully-fledged songs. So they're, um, you know, so they stand up in their own right, uh, you know, without necessarily having to be with the film. You know, you could actually hear them on the radio, and they would sound like, you know, songs rather than actually more incidental music. We all have our own um, ideas of how a song should be, because, I mean, a song can uh, be done in so many different ways, depending on who's doing it. But sometimes I just feel that it's not right, and like in the case of um, Roger's track, which is Magic, I mean, he, he, he did it in a totally different way, which is quite good, but I just felt that there was another commercial streak, and I just realized that he was going away uh, to L.A. for about a week, so I just got hold of it, and I just changed it around completely, and when he came back, I said, well, what do you think? And he said, oh, I like it. It was a completely different song, but, you know, something that sometimes you can see something else in other people's songs, and, um, you know, I don't mind them. They do that to mine, uh, my songs as well. They sort of, we all help each other in a way, but that's what then takes a lot of time. And here's Freddie's laugh after the song finishes. Let's move on. I want a little bit less. 
I could only find one more song that qualifies for the category of a hut after the siren, but I'll leave that until the end. There's a man there you know He's the host of the show And you'll find that he also hates saxophones Incredibly, the single Thriller was the seventh and last single released from the album of the same name. They all made it inside the top ten in the US. The Girl Is Mine, number two. Beat It and Billie Jean, number one. Wanna Be Starting Something, number five. Human Nature, number seven. PYT, number ten. And Thriller, number four. Of course, the album Thriller was the biggest selling album ever, moving 66 million copies worldwide. Here's producer Quincy Jones and Michael talking about the album and then Animals. Just for some context, Michael is wearing a blue Sgt. Pepper's looking jacket and has a huge snake on his lap, the 80s. Do you feel anything when you come in here, Mike? Or is it just the presence of Quincy that makes it, it, makes it exceptional? It's both. It's both a lot of hard work. When we spent a lot of time. <laughs> ET and same time. Laying down on the ground at midnight. Yeah, sleeping. 18 hours a day like you're doing to James? Oh, it was more than 18. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a, really a marathon because in three months' time, we did a, a thriller and an E.T. storybook album in three months. It was more than 18, wasn't it? Yeah. It felt like a week or something. Oh, yeah. We were sleeping out on the couch, wake up, mix it, go back to sleep, sing, wake up. And you get your Charlie Chan going about 10 o'clock? I suppose the people that are looking at us are going to be surprised to see this uh, muscles, muscles being the snake. Um, how long have you had this beautiful beast? <laughs> Gosh, just doing uh, a little bit before Thriller, I had a about almost a year, almost a year now. I've always had boa constrictors. I've been amazed by snakes. You've always had them? Oh yeah, through the years. She has a lot of animals. Llama? Yeah, I love animals. But you've never been scared by snakes? Mm-mm. Not, no. Well, some, you know, all their personalities are different according to what type of snake it is. I think boas are great. And uh, this type of snake is not dangerous? Well, I don't think so. Some people might. Could it be that? They squeeze, yeah, they squeeze. They can really squeeze. Let's stay in the 80s for a bit for a few cockrock cackles from Motley Crue. Pre-song laugh, and she goes down from the album Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> That's two noises that no guy wants to hear in order, a zip going down and then a girl laughing. And here's an intro laugh from the same album on the song Same Old Situation. 
another intro laugh in Girls, Girls, Girls. rock laugh with a carinable lyric and it's our first breakdown laugh and it's a double pointer in I Want Action by Poison. Three Beatles songs off the top of my head with laughing, but I only love two of them, but I'll pop in the third one for Zeggy B. The first one, which is a John Lennon pen song, as a weird nerd side rabbit hole, uses all of the non-sharp and flat chords, A, B, C, D, E, F and G, as all major or dominant seventh chords. And the only other song I know of that has that is Running Down a Dream by Tom Petty, which has no laughing, but is a great song. So the first Beatles laugher is a song that John Lennon listed as one of his favourites. I don't know. You see, like somebody asked me what's my favourite song. You know, like is it Stardust or something like that? I can't. It's that kind of decision making. I can't make. I like. Uh, I always like Walrus. 
So this next Beatles song is for Jimmy Six Fingers Ferguson and he's a laughing ditty that always makes me smile, much like Jimmy does. And here's Paul McCartney talking about the song. John didn't like this song, Oh Blah Dee, Oh Blah Dee, am I correct? Who says you were in on vacation? No, John did like that song. He liked it? I think so, yeah. I mean, we, were, we weren't on vacation, but we were in Rishikesh studying meditation with Maharishi. Yes. And um, we used to go to the clubs mm-hmm. late at night, drink, dance, maybe a little food. And there was a friend of mine who I befriended in the clubs. He was an African guy. He was called Jimmy Scott. And, you know, we would jive together just, hey, man, you know what's going on? Yeah. And he used to say, oh, bloody, oh, bloody, life goes on, brah. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man. You know, and I just loved this. And I would go, oh, bloody, Jimmy, you know. And he, he had a few other sayings. Nothing's too much, just out of sight. Right. You know, so I loved all these little sayings. So uh, I wrote the song. In Lyrics first or music first? Together. Together. Yeah. Which is kind of often how it happens. You know, you just got some chords and you, you, you make a song up. And one thing I always love about the intro there, that piano dun, 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 intro. Dun, dun. So fast, too. It's like... Well, what happened was me, George, and Ringo were kind of slaving over this. Right. And John wasn't there yet. John, he was late. Yes. Again. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, he's busy. <laughs> Come on. God knows what. So we're not getting anywhere with it. Chinga, 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 chinga. It was thinking, oh, God, this isn't, it's not happening. And John comes in to the studio. He says, what are you doing? What, what's happening? What are we what, working what, what on? What are we working on? I say, oh, bloody. He goes, oh, oh, that one. He goes, oh, it's the piano. He goes, all right, what can you hear? And I say, hey. He goes, dun, 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 dun. Just like that. And we all fall in behind him and go, yes. Because that's, that's what the it beauty. needed, that. Check, ding, ding, check, ding, 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 ding. And isn't that great when someone comes in with a fresh set of yeah. ears and just goes, okay, I got it. Yeah. Oh, man, what a, that's what really a story. a great little memory, yeah. And here's John talking about reggae and the song. Part of the scene. I did a TV show in 1973 with a guy called Tom Snyder, and he said, What music do you like? I said, Disco and reggae. I should have invested in reggae because I never thought the Americans would get on. The Beatles made an attempt at Scar. The solo on I Call Your Name was Scar. Deliberate mm. and conscious. Mm. Right. Yes. Mm, uh, nice. D was semi semi. Okay. So you can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> Right, but I'm willing to learn anything. I dig it. I do enjoy it.
Here's a quick chuckle from Yellow Submarine for Zeki. Another laughing song with an F-bomb is Stuck in a Rut by The Darkness. Another quick 80s hit, a bit out of the rock hole, but with a great melody, is a song that starts with a laugh. Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf was actually written with the Jupiter 8, which is the synthesizer I used for much of the sound on, um, on the Rio album. It was sort of new out around that time, about 1982, and I completely fell in love with it. Simon and I, uh, I think, had been out the night before and we had the most terrible hangover. And for some reason, we were feeling guilty about it and decided to go and do some work. So we went to uh, EMI Studios at Manchester Square. And we got in quite early and we'd been listening to something in the car and we, we got a sort of idea and I started playing with this sound. Um, it won't sound quite the same, I shouldn't think, because it needs effects, but... Simon had an idea for a lyric and by lunchtime when everyone else turned up we pretty much had the song and Andy came in and played a killer guitar riff on top of it and John and Roger thought this is easy well, that's pretty hooky already isn't it now? and then you got uh, Andy's um, angry guitars it's really Andy that gave the band that real edge and Andy was pretty, he was from Newcastle, so he had this edge to him. Later, Roger added the, uh, the Simmons drums, and suddenly it sounded like nothing else we'd ever heard. It's got these great big <laughs> fills in, which was this amazing new uh, kit. It's like a hexagonal drum kit. But there's only really two sounds on there. You had this sound. There we go, which is really cool. Very new sound then. And it had a really kind of pingy disco-y sound as well, which nobody used, but this was one of the drum sounds of the 80s was this drum. But there's a big roll coming up. 
go. One of Colin's things, we always had the had a lot of ambience on the record. You know, we record the drums very tightly, as you can hear here. It's a very tight drum sound, but then he'd add this uh, ambience. There you go, that's with the ambience. And that kind of de defined the drum sound for the 80s in a way. You'd have this um, <clears throat> kind of gated ambience. Uh, if you've listened to In the Air tonight, Phil Collins, it's got this drum sound that's uh, it's got this beautiful ambient sound on it. And that was how Colin liked to record. It was this combination of tight, uh, tightly recorded stuff and big ambient mics. Gibbons from CZ Top talking about Hendrix's affection for his guitar playing. Jimi Hendrix, and he at one point said that you were his favorite guitarist. <laughs> I remember that. I've heard that from on and on and off. And uh, we were good friends. We were very good friends. I still got uh, some fond memories of, of our time together. And uh, hope that someday we can uh, just. Uh, Billy Gibbons got the idea for this song when he saw a character in a movie listed in the credits as Sharp-Eyed Man. I think it has a laugh in it. I heard it in the supermarket late last night. You be the judge. Sharp-Dressed Man by ZZ Top. celebrated metal songs of all time happens to contain a laugh. It's a drug song that I missed in episode 4's Drug Festival and the song ends with a few different varieties of laughter. And here's the band talking about the album with the same name. I think Master of Puppets signifies for a lot of people and it does for me as well the pinnacle of the Cliff Burton era with Metallica, obviously. But also 
it was still rebellious. Back then it was just still the four of us in a van out to conquer the world. Master Puppets seemed to be the kind of the culmination of the journey that had started, I guess, four or five years before with James and I getting together, writing some songs, Kirk and Cliff joining at uh, separate times within basically, I guess, six months, and that lineup kind of settling. That album, uh, it's, it's interesting because it just, you know, from the moment it was released, it never went away and still has not, you know, and doesn't show any signs of it going away at all. You know, I really feel that a lot of the music on, on Master Puppets, we really had to, we really pulled out of a deep place, you know. A lot, a lot of it, it's just so emotional, you know, from music to lyrics to, you know, the guitar solos to, to even the arrangements, you know, it's so dramatic. Speaking of the metal, Tenacious D have a great laughing song. Here's Jack Black talking about writing serious songs. We started off, me and Kyle actually wrote a song uh, before we started writing Tribute that was like a breakup song, and it was just a hot blast of cheese. And we, that's when we realized we don't, we're not a serious band, because that's what, that's what our serious band sounds like, this sort of melodramatic, um, 
corn sauce. So at the beginning, you were like that. It was a lot work. like that band that I had in high school, that no one listens to. We needed that ingredient. The the uh, the comedy, the the clowns, the clown powder. That's so interesting because I feel like you had a bad experience in high school. Yeah. And then you write a song and and it doesn't go great, and that's yeah. sort of it. But. I mean, is it too vulnerable for you to like to put something out there that's that close to your heart musically and then have it not work? I never once have thought, God, if only we had really bared down and and focused on serious songwriting. I never, because I, I believe to my core that that's not what we were meant to do. Right. right. I mean, the other people have said that. Like one yeah. time, I had that little part in. Dead Man Walking, and Sean Penn was like, because um, he saw Tenacious D play. We played the rap party. Okay. He said, "Yeah, you guys are really good, but why don't you? Why aren't you a real band? Why aren't you like a serious band?" And, uh, and I was like, "What do you mean, like Pearl Jam? Yeah, man, like Pearl, whatever." I was like, "That we we're not because we're not. We make fun of the serious bands. Right. That right. is what we are here to do." Because it's, there's enough serious bands. There's not enough tenacious Ds. Right. Wait a second. Uh, I have enjoyed some Pearl Jam. Sure. Just in case. Eddie, are you watching? You're a master. A master. The Metal by Tenacious D. next one is such an unusual song for a band to release as a single. Double bass drum intro, spoken pre-verses, but it's such a great track. Here's David Spade talking about the girl in the film clip for Van Halen's laughing in the background, finger tapping intro magic of Hot For Teacher. I didn't know 
this. You dated the hot for teacher Van Halen girl. And I saw this and I said, oh my God, David dated the hot for teacher girl from the Van Halen video. She was so, she was unbelievable. This is big news to me. Do you ever go on the internet and watch the Van Halen video just to remind yourself? No, I'm so mad at myself that I messed it up. The two of you were lovers for a short period we of time? Were, yeah, I guess that's a gross way to put it. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to put, put but it But I was like a little way. pipsqueak from AZ. But I was always shocked that she was so nice and liked me. And she actually liked me. You know what's troubling about being not 6'4"? It's really um, profiling when people see me because they know they can take me. Yeah. So I, I remember, <laughs> this happens all the time when you're with a girl. Like I was with her once at a bar and a guy stepped between us and started talking to her. Yeah. And I was sitting there having a drink and I go, is this guy joking? Right. And then he, and then she goes, oh, I'm with him. And he goes, yeah, okay. And she goes, I am. And he goes, well, you're going to be with me now. And I was like, now see here, sir. <laughs> Connect that we were together. But then I sort of faded out on her and I, uh. You know what I realized? You dated everyone I've ever beaten off to. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> All of them. No. See, all of them. I can tell you. <laughs> Steve Vai earlier talking about Crazy Train and here's Steve Vai making his guitar laugh while Diamond Dave has a laugh in Yankee Rose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
song I did a deep dive on in episode 26 is Seven Up has a great intro laugh in it as well. Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols. song which has a chorus which incorporates a laugh and is a great song of a great band's last studio album of original songs. Rage Against the Machine, Mike Check. song that has a chuckle in it is a great live song. I may have mentioned it recently, but I have five episodes on the go at the same time at the moment. I'm going to play the last bridge of the instrumental and check out Rob Hurst's energetic drumming and then check out the great outro. Midnight Oil always had a great knack of levelling out their frantic rockers with a soothing outro. Only the Strong by Midnight Oil.
I mentioned Axl Rose earlier as a great ad-libber, and here's Midnight Oil again with Peter Garrett ad-libbing on their Rockin' Species to Ceases EP from 1985. It actually sounds like he starts to sing the line, you may be safe in your hemisphere, but comes in at the wrong time, and ad-libs with a ha. It's not laughs, but three ha's is close enough for me. And it's another cool example of a levelling out in the outro after some frenetic, energetic fire. Progress, Midnight Oil. Another quick Midnight Oil song with some talking, laughing in it is When the Generals Talk. A song with some unsettling laughing was originally called The Lunatic and the lyrics were written by Roger Waters about Sid Barrett. And the line, if the band you're in starts playing different tunes, is a reference to where Sid would start to play a wrong song on stage at the end of his time with the band due to his mental issues. Some quick stats on the album that Brain Damage is taken from, 1973's Dark Side of the Moon. It has sold 25 million copies worldwide, including 15 million copies in America. Went to number one in America and Canada and number two in Australia and UK. 
and was rated number 43 on Rolling Stone's greatest 500 albums of all time. The laughing in the song is actually Pink Floyd's manager at the time, Peter Watts, who died of a heroin overdose in 1976, aged 30. And Peter Watts was the father of the actress Naomi Watts. Brain Damage by Pink Floyd. So I may do a part two on this topic in the future when I'm jumping the shark for topics as I'm sure there are a bunch more songs with laughing in them. But for now, I'm going to finish up with one more monster song from 1980, which was a number two song in the UK and Oz and a number five single in the US for the great Stevie Wonder with some mid-riff cackling in Master Blaster. that's the last of the laughing songs before I get to my favourite, but I like to add a crazy, interesting or funny story about one of the songs or artists, and this story is about Cop Killer by Body Count. Cop Killer, a first-person depiction of black urban rage over such things as the beating by Los Angeles police last year of black motorist Rodney King. Last week, police groups in Texas called for a boycott of all products made by Time Warner, the conglomerate that owns, among other things, Warner Brothers Records, the label that distributes the new Ice-T album Body Count, on which Cop Killer appears. Now the New York State Sheriff's Association has called upon New Yorkers, perhaps unrealistically, to boycott the new Warner Brothers movie Batman Returns. In response to all this, Time Warner defends its right to produce films 
albums and records, no matter how objectionable their content may be to certain groups. However, a major U.S. record store chain, Super Club Music, has now decided to pull Ice-T's Body Count album from all 300 of its record bar tracks and turtle stores in 19 states because of the cop killer track. And on Monday, rap forefather James Brown took a swipe at Ice-T during a visit to the U.S. House of Representatives in Washington, where Brown told Speaker of the House Tom Foley that he was, quote, sick of all this cop killing anti-hope music. What does Ice-T himself have to say? Well, we ran into him at the new music seminar in New York City on Wednesday, and here he is. The Body Count album, the enemies are racist, racist parents, and brutal police. And if those are my enemies, then so be it. But it's not aimed at anybody else, and it's not, it's not done maliciously in any attempt to make anybody go out and hurt, commit a crime. Really, with the song Cop Killer, I'm saying is that they are so brutal, they are putting people to the point that people might want to go do that. And this particular guy in this, char in this character does. That's rapping in the first person, that's called a poetic license, and obviously these ignorant pigs don't know nothing about music. I don't have nothing against all police. I feel that if the cops were a total, legit organization, non-corrupt, I probably would be a cop. Transworld and Sound Warehouse have followed the lead of the Super Club chain and pulled the Body Count album from their outlets. That makes a total of 1,045 stores where Ice-T's album is no longer available. All this in response to calls for a boycott of the album and all products from the Time Warner Company from police groups in Texas and New York. In fact, the combined law enforcement association of texas says it will go to a time warner shareholders meeting in los angeles next month to hold a protest ice t of course has not remained silent on all this and just the other day he spoke exclusively to fab five freddy of yo mtv raps if this record was so dangerous it's been out since march where's the rash of police homicides that it was going to create right now if somebody were to get killed because of this record it's not because of me it's because of all this attention that they've brought to the situation the thing that really bothers me is what if the record was a call to kill cops still not illegal because people get up and they call to kill people all day long. The Klan called it for the kills of the murder of blacks all day long. There's people who want other people killed. It's not illegal to say what you want to do. In fact, on Monday, the Supreme Court ruled that Ku Klux Klan cross-burnings are protected acts of free speech. Even though some stores have taken Ice-T's album off the shelves, it's still selling well. In fact, faster than when the protest began. The album is now number 62 on the pop charts, up from 66 last week. So let's quickly recap the cackling magic before I get to my favorite. Probably come as no surprise to you And after spending 10 minutes discussing it on the phone In which that time he could have done it But thinks it's better that I waste my time recording Yet another fucking track Just so he doesn't have to do anything So yeah, you guessed it This week there'll be no recapping magic Sorry, I kind of ran out of time And I'm working on something big for next week My favourite rock and roll rabbit hole song with a laugh in it, I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix with Foxy Lady, with a lot of mid-sentence laughs. Wayne, um, what do you do if every time you see this one incredible woman, you, you think you're going to hurl? I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. Oh, I'm not ready yet. i got to be comfortable with me first. Why don't you just go talk to her? Talk to her. Talk to her. Talk to her.
So thank you so much again for listening and thanks for rating, reviewing, subscribing and all that shit. And thanks again to Rob Dean at I'm Fully Out of Karate Kid References Studios and Patty Cummings at Fingerprint Audio for tech help. So as mentioned earlier when we were talking about I Want It All by Queen, there's one other song I know with an after the siren hut and that song features the guy that inspired this episode, Ross Hetherington from Body Jar on drums from their C-bomb dropping, Is It A Lie? So check out the website, arockandrollrabbithole.com for a playlist of Body Jar songs on the Victims tab. And if you feel like I've missed any laughing songs, you can send me an email at stick your $12 laugh up your $4 ass.com.au and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. You can say hi on Instagram and Facebook, arockandrollrabbithole podcast, and I'd probably love to hear from you. As I said, thanks again for listening. And stick around to the last second of Body Jars Is It Alive for a nice hut to finish the episode. And I hope to talk at you next week. See ya.